EFC welterweight champion Temba Garimbo. What's going on, Temba? Um, how's life right now under these uh these COVID circumstances? Yeah, brother. How are you, man? I hope you are. Yeah, it's uh everything is is okay so far, so good. Nothing. It's just that I need to fight. You know, I want to mm-hmm. fight as soon as possible. Um, but otherwise, everything is normal. I've been training hard throughout i'm i'm literally in an unknown fight camp you know i'm training very ex- extremely hard and i know big things are coming now now so uh, when they do i'll be ready and i want to make a big 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 impact on my on my big move you know what are they telling you what is uh the promotions or organizations telling you are they telling you that it's going to be open in the next couple of weeks or is it going to take about a few months how is the what's the timeline so look, um, basically, I'm the EFC waterweight champion here in Africa. Uh, but the thing is, I, I, I'm not fighting here anymore, you know. So I'm looking to get into the next promotion, uh, that's uh, UFC. And yeah, we, my manager, uh, and myself, and the matchmaker in the US, we we're busy talking, and uh, things will come. The things will come right, you know, uh, very soon, very soon. To so you see me. My next fight is not going to be in the EFC. It's going to be in a big show. Um, fight Island in July, you know, if you're going to debut anywhere, I think that's the perfect spl- place, right? Yeah, um, I've been actually talking to my manager now. But the thing is, you know, with the Fight Island cards, I think they're all fin- finalized. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm happy that there's like a couple of waterweight fights there. Um, if anything happens there, I'm ready to step in. And I've done all my medicals currently. I've done... Um, all the UFC medicals that uh, that is needed, so that if uh, anything happens and they need someone to replace, you know, on short notice, I'm in. So, yeah, it will be a, it will be a good place to make a debut, to make an impact, and yeah, man, I hope just I, I fight a big name. I wanna I wanna I wanna make my debut on short notice because I'll get an opportunity to fight a big name, a guy that is already there on top, you know. Then it's good to go in there with a big, you know, then uh, knock the guy out. Then uh, straight away you're right there. If not in the top twenty, you're in the top ten. Straight away. All right. Well, before we talk about uh, your fight career, I wanted to get into your 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 history. You know, what I mean, you have a unique story. And the first thing, of course, is uh, you fleeing uh, Zimbabwe as a teenager and going to South Africa for you know to to get a better life. Basically, uh, could you explain that time of your life? You know, to the people that don't know your story. Yeah, so for basic for me basically, um, what happened is like when when I, I was growing up, I grew up in Zimbabwe. I'm Zimbabwean, but I live here in South Africa because it's, life is so much better here in South Africa, and everything is so much better than it is back home in Zimbabwe. And um, it was in two thousand and eight, you know, like I, I I made a decision that you know it's either I was going to finish my A level or uh, I was going to come here and. You know, I didn't have parents. My mother died when I was 13. My father died when I was... Um, my mother died when I was 9. My father died when I was 13. So, like, it, life was pretty much difficult there in Zimbabwe. You know, my cousin was look, looking after us, but it was it was not it was not the life that, that many people wish to have. You know, it was difficult, difficult, difficult. So, at age of 16, actually, I went to the diamond fields in Zimbabwe. So, I was doing illegal diamond mining. Mm-hmm. And like uh, smuggling diamonds at the, at the at the age of 16, straight after high school. When I finished my O level, I finished school when I was young. And when I was supposed to go to A level, and 
you know, money is nice and the diamonds are good. I almost got killed there. If you still look at my body, I've got scars everywhere because um, once we were confronted by the police and uh, the dogs beat me so much. I had five dogs, German shepherds, biting me there on the all the diamond fields. I almost died. I passed out there. And, you know, life, life was just very, very difficult, you know. In 2008, then, then in Zimbabwe, there was this thing of... Um, uh, there was a big drought in Zimbabwe. There was no food, almost like famine, you know. Like Then it was just like an, a, a decision. It's either you want to be here or you want to be there. And I made a decision and I said, you know what, I'm going to South Africa. I didn't have a passport when I first came to South Africa. Um, I came through the, the water. The, um, it's called Limbopo River. I came through the river. And uh, it, was, it, was just, it was just one of those times you... You, you just take that sacrifice. It is dangerous to do that. Uh, a lot of people died while they were doing that. And for a young guy, I was 17, uh, about 10, 18, you know, it was very difficult, you know. And for a young guy to do that, it just showed me what kind of a person I was. And funny enough, I got deported on the same day I arrived in South Africa. They deported me to back to Zimbabwe. And... Um, I got caught because I didn't have a passport. They caught me, put me in a cell. Then after a few days, then they deported me. Then when I got on the border, that's where, like, this thing of me never giving up in life and, and everything, that's when I feel like it started because I decided when, when they deported me, when they put me on the border and they asked me, do you want to go home, get on this bus, you're going back to your village, you know, where you come from? Then I said to them, no, I live here. I lied to them. I said to the police that, no, I live here in this city. Then they're like, okay, cool, get out. Then then I got out. Then I crossed the border. In, straight away, like, they deported us around 4 o'clock, half past 5, um, 4 o'clock, 4 to 5 o'clock in the evening. By 7 o'clock, I was back in South Africa again illegally. I came here straight away on the same day. They deported me when the sun down. I was in South Africa again. And... Um, the second time was very hard because I almost got killed when I was coming coming back in here for the second time. And I was very young, you know. And to have somebody for the first time in my life, obviously when I was doing the diamonds and on the diamond field, I, I, I used to see a lot of nasty things there. Like, it's, it was like blood diamonds, basically. People used to get killed in front of me. Someone was shot. Um, while we were running away from the police, someone was shot in front of me. You know, you just run over them and you run, you know. But it was the first time someone asked, actually hold a knife, a big, I remember it was a big knife. Someone just hold a big knife for me on, on me because they, when you when illegally cross into South Africa, it's not just the police you're running away from. You're also running away from the, the criminals. There's criminals that rob people because they know that you're crossing, you've got a certain amount of money. You're not just going to cross without money. Um, so you're running away from the police and you're running away from the criminals. And the criminals saw us and they, they actually trapped us. And when the guy held a big knife, it was, there was a moonlight. And I just remember seeing this big knife. I literally passed out, fell. It, it is like a movie. When I tell people my life, it is like a movie, you know. Mm -hmm. I fell. I fell on the ground and the rest of the other guys ran away. And these guys that were robbing us, they ran after the other guys and they left me there. <laughs> For some reason, they left me there. They ran after everybody. And yeah, man, 
it's it's crazy. Then when I when I came back to normal, I realized there was a fence there. And I decided, you know what, I have to go and run towards the police and get arrested at least, not get killed. At least I'll get arrested and I'll make my way back home than getting killed here. So I ran towards the police and midway, then I saw my, some, one of the guys that we were with and said to me, no, don't go to the police, let's go, we need to go. Then, yeah, then I made my way into South Africa, lived on the streets in Johannesburg for a couple of days. I, for two weeks, I was living on the streets giving pamphlets on the roads and uh, life was very difficult first time. I didn't have, because of the situations that I was deported first time, the second time when I came, I didn't have any conduct um, uh, for my family members. You know, my family members lived in Cape Town. It's another city in, jo in, uh, in South Africa. And I was here in Johannesburg, you know, and I didn't have any conduct of my family members. I was 17, turning 18, and I was just... Um, I was just say, like, I mean, I mean, this is my first time out of my my village, you know. I'm in a new country, new city. I don't have contact for anybody that I know. Lived on the streets, uh, looked for job where I used to give twenty uh, flyers the whole day for twenty rand, just so that I can buy myself a cool drink and a, and the bread to eat, you know. And yeah, like I lived here until I could raise. Uh, some money, then I memorized memorized the number back home. Then I called back home in Zimbabwe. Then um, they gave me the number for my for my cousins that were in Cape Town. Then that's 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 how I made my way back, my my way to Cape Town. And even there, it was it was not easy, man. I I, I was just a Pekinini. They call them Pekinini. If you are very young here, you are a Pekinini. I was just a Pekinini in a in a, in a like you are a small fish in a big pond. You know, like and I didn't have any skills. I didn't have any qualifications. I was working as a gardener, and I started learning new things, new skills like painting. I started. Uh, I was a painter. Then I became a security guard uh, for a pick and pay where we used to work 17 hours a day. You clock in at 6 a.m., uh, clocking out at half past 11 in the evening, and that's when I was a security guard. That's when I started MMA. Yeah, I started MMA through a movie. I watched a movie called Never Back Down. Mm -hmm. And then I, yeah, I watched I watched Never Back Down. That's what's funny. And and I checked out. I'm like, this is a sport. Fighting is a sport. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, okay, cool. I think I can do that. And you know, first days it was more more about protection and being cool. You know, um, I started MMA when I was 19. So first days it was more about that, like being cool and protecting myself. And I had a lot of cousins. Who I like. We used to live, me and my cousins, they are all boys. Most of my cousins are boys, you know. And you, you and I was the youngest, and we were living in, in one room. One room, six guys, sleeping on the same bed, six guys. You know, when, uh, if you, I don't know if you have ever had this situation where you are sleeping on a king-size bed, six six guys, six men. You, The other guy is looking that side, the next guy is looking the other side, the other guy looked that yeah. way, so that you can fit on the bed, you know. And at least it was warm. You just have to buy one or two blankets. So, yeah, because we're trying to save money, you know. So, and the other thing, why I started MMA is because my cousins always started fights and all that. And I was the smallest, so everyone would try to pick on me. And I was like, you know what, I have to do something. And then I started MMA. And I come from a fighting family, man. All my cousins, all my, even my, my father before he died and his brothers, they used to always fight and 
it's um it's all it's in our nature fighting, you know. That's how I started fighting. I thought, oh, MMA is a sport through Never Back Down movie. I'm like, okay, cool. I checked out, and then I got my first my first fight three months after training. I won it with seven seconds uh, knockout. Yeah. Well, you know that. Yeah. You know, I guess uh, going through all what you went through in your life, you know, most guys there, or most people, you know, when they fight, they have a fear of fighting. But maybe was that not you know, there for you because you've been through so much in your life. So when you step in there, it's it's uh, a little bit more simple for you. So uh, be- because I've been so like, it's, it's kind of weird because growing up when I was in primary school, I used to be a good soccer player, you know. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to high school, because my father died and uh, I didn't have enough things and clothes, you know, I felt I was I was more shy and reserved. Mm-hmm. And I, di- I never wanted to be in front of people, you know. So the, the difficult thing when I started MMA was being in front of people. Mm. Uh, even when I like this, how serious it was that I, I couldn't be in front of people. In high school, um, back in Zimbabwe, if you pass and you are in the top 10 of the best students in your grade, they'll call you up on the assembly in front of everybody and you have to go up there. When I know I'm, like most of the time, I was in the top 10 of the overall class, I wouldn't go to school on the last day of the school because I didn't want to be in front um, for people to see me standing in front of people. So the difficult thing when I started MMA was not um, fighting. It was being in front of people. So I was very nervous, very, very nervous on my first fight. Um, and what happened is that I that's, that's why I won it so quick. I can't even remember. I just remember catching the guy's leg overhand right, dropped him and finish the fight so quick. I was so aggressive and quick, and you can't even remember and memorize anything. So that was the first thing that was difficult for me. Then after that, after I knew, oh, I can be in front of people. Okay, it's normal. I can I can do this. So fighting, yeah, I it kind of comes normal to me. And whenever I feel like I'm in difficult situations, I always say to myself, I've been through it. This warm-up. Yeah, yeah. well... You built yourself up, you know, and uh, and throughout the years with EFC, and then you finally got a title shot, you know, EFC 44, uh, your first shot at a title, the lightweight title. Talk about that experience and, and what it did for your mentality moving forward with your career. Yeah, so when when I finally got my shot in the in the EFC, um, it was a dream come true for me to fight in the EFC. Firstly, man, thank you to the guys in the EFC when, when they gave me that opportunity. I, I I I died to be there, you know. I used to work so hard. I've been working hard for a very long time. So I was an amateur for three years, fighting as an amateur. Um, and I was not that good, you know, because not because I was not that. I was not. I think I was not putting enough commitment because I had side jobs on the to do as well. Like as an amateur, you don't get paid. You pay to actually fight here because you have to pay for your medicals. You have to pay for your transport. You have to pay for your food. And it, it it was mad. So I used to work uh, on this 17-hour shift mm-hmm. as a security guard. So I don't blame myself losing a lot of amateur fights. I've lost, I think, seven fights as an amateur um, and won eight. So it it was not it was not that easy. Um, so when I when I was about to turn professional, I just, I made a decision. I'm like, you know what? It's do or die. I I have to get peace jobs where I can work eight to four o'clock at least i can train before work and after work 
and then I became a gardener for the complex. I was working as a gardener for the complex. Then when I get my shot in the UFC, because obviously now I started putting in the right amount of work. I used to train before I go to work. And when you work as a gardener, you're working, you're working like it's actually training as well. So I was getting more training in than uh, the other guys and the professionals. So my coach decided, you know what, here's a shot, take it. And when I got my first title shot in EFC, I was young, I was 24, you know. And I think the the good thing that happened there for me, it was good for me to lose that fight. Very, very, it's a blessing, blessing. That's the only, for me, if you ask me today, my record is 9-2, and two, I'll only tell you that I've only lost once. The other loss, when I lost the, to Dev Mazzani, I really was stupid because I didn't go to fight um, healthy. I fought there with gastro. I, I didn't eat. I, I, I cut weight mm-hmm. for that Dev Mazani fight. I, I cut weight first. Then after cutting weight, I got gastro straight after cutting weight. Wow. So I weighed in 73 kgs for that fight. It was a catchweight fight. Then after that, I, I was so dehydrated. Before the fight, I didn't eat nothing. Before the fight, I was 69 kgs, mm. you know. So that means I've lost weight, and I was so thin. I, I was stupid to fight. I, I just fought that fight because I thought to myself, you know what, they brought this guy all the way from America, and if I pull out, you know, and also you got this mindset that I have that, hey, man, when through difficult times, you can do more, you can do more. It was so difficult, and my head was dehydrated. That's why he could hit me and I could drop, you know. Um, I was so de- I didn't know that these things play out. So that's why I always say, oh, I only have one loss. Because the other loss, I was very stupid. It's not a loss. It's just like me being stupid in there. So that Leon Maynard loss when I first got my title shot was a very big blessing for me because I'd, I'd, I was like this. There was no looking on the side. I didn't even have a girlfriend. I didn't have... Um, I, all I do was MMA. MMA, MMA, MMA. I was so obsessed on protecting my record, my undefeated record, than uh, fighting. It was, I was obsessed on keeping um, the undefeated record than the actual fighting. So when you when you put those things into play and you just focus on 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 staying undefeated because it looks cool to be undefeated, very cool. But sometimes losing gives you gives you gives you an opportunity to life. And mm-hmm. after I, that loss, um, I became a better person as well. I was not so serious about MMA. You know, I used to be, I, I used to be like, now I'm serious. I'm very, very serious. I still have got the traits from before, but I used to be too serious, man. Um, seven weeks, eight weeks before my fight, I wouldn't talk to people. I'm just coming in the gym, train, um, go home, train, I actually didn't have a home then. I used to live in the gym. I used to sleep in the, under the cage in the gym. So I would just train, go under the cage, sleep, train, go under the cage, sleep, never talk to people, was not that friendly. And it was just, it was just like too, obses- too much obsession, you know? Too much obsession led to, for me to lose that fight. And when I lost that fight, I realized that, you know what? Uh, fighting isn't everything. You need to have other avenues like you need to have business on the side and you need to you need to not take these things too serious because it drains your energy and you need to also loosen up a little bit you know like i started going i literally like my five pairs from that loss 
I spent it within a week. Mm. Um, I literally just went all crazy. I was crazy. I almost killed myself after losing that because I put in so much work. I put in so much sacrifices. And for me to lose, it was heartbreaking, you know. You know, you know when someone does everything right and mm. then they lose. That was me when I lost to Leon Maynard. I did everything right. Every, even if you look in the fight, I was doing everything right. I'm, I almost submitted him in the first round, almost knocked him out in the second round. Then he, uh, from a bring of, of becoming a champion, then that being taken away from you and you lose straight away, it was just, it was just heartbreaking. You know, There's so many times I wanted to kill myself. I promise you there were so many times I hold things to kill, to drink so that I can kill myself in my hand like this. And, you know, I was so religious as well. I'm like, why me? You know, I used to ask, ask I used to go outside and ask questions. I look just up to the sky and ask questions. Why me? Why, why do I have to lose? You know, why, 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 why me? Why do I have to lose? And then after a month or two, then uh, I realized, you know, it was a blessing in disguise, you know, um, it's, 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 it, it was a very, very good blessing. I love that loss. It taught me a lot about myself, about life, about about even the people that were around me, you know. It taught me it taught me a lot of things, lots, lots of things and that was my blessing loss. I really love it. And I'll take it I'll take it like a man and say, Leon Maynard, I love you for that, you know. And that was that that what led me to become a champion now that I am now because after that loss I decided you know take fight take fight 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 the best guys uh, straight after that fight I fought a very risky fight against the now lightweight champion of uh, EFC uh, Joe Cummings he was undefeated but also I knew this plays out in his head he wants to stay undefeated because it looks clean and nice to stay undefeated and now I had the experience over him. Uh, of losing, then I realized, you know what, this guy's, I'll beat him, and I just took the fight and beat him, and then another fight and another fight, yeah, and then, yeah, I am, man, I'm the champion, and I'm looking forward to being one of the best in the world. Yeah, well, you know, you, after that loss, you know, you come back, you win a couple fights, EFC 82, first round, you get the finish, you get the title, yeah. you know, what was that feeling like going through everything that you went through? You just explained to me that after the loss, you were very depressed, you know, because you did so, everything that you needed to do to win that fight, but you lost, but you come back and you get that title. You know, um, there was, you know, you know, you know, when something, you know, that something is going to happen when you know, something is going to happen when it happens, there is like, I don't know for me, when I know something is going to happen and when it happens, there's no like, feeling about it like neutral you know a lot of people asked me that day that oh, how do you feel you know i'm like i feel normal because i knew it was going to happen you know i knew i knew i knew that i put in the work i knew i am i'm surrounding myself with the right people and i knew that there's no way my opponent was outworking me you know mm. uh one thing i'm i'm i i, I do is that i'm obsessed with my training and as much as now i live better life where I can communicate with people, I can have friends at least, like friends, the people that train in the gym only, you know, I don't have friends outside of that. It's just that difficult, you know, I, I wish I could, but I can't because my energy and everything, my mind is focused on becoming the best water weight in the world. So I knew it was going to happen. 
and when it happened it was just good it was just um it was just that that signature you know where you sign off something that was meant to happen and when it happened just sign it off and you say you know what i have done it it is it has happened and yeah man there was no it was a good good thing to happen for me because then it inspired a lot of people especially from my country um because it's it's rare to get a Zimbabwean doing well um especially in this sport you know to become a world champion i think i'm the first zimbabwean i'm actually the first zimbabwean world champion in mixed martial arts you know not and it was history in a, in a way and it just gave so much hope as i could see it with the guys even in the gym you know and when it happened you could see the guys in the gym their energy of training their energy of seeing things became so much better and they 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 took they took my energy and added to their energy everything just went so that was that was the best thing about it that it inspired a lot of people it inspired a lot of people then me becoming the sportsman of the year in my country uh straight after then defending the belt just made it more and more bigger you know yeah yeah after that fight you uh you called out Kamaru Usman and uh, had some words for him why call him out you know uh what what was the reasoning behind that you know um Kamaru like for me calling out Kamaru if i have to be honest like i'm always honest with things it was just it was just it was just it it is what it is i said the truth i did my study on kamaru kamaru left africa when he was 6 mm-hmm. he he doesn't know what africa is about bro if i have to tell you how difficult it is to make it from here you know how difficult it is to make it from here and and for 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 an african to to go like he is the first african to become a world champion in ufc good mm-hmm. but there's still a question there was he going to make it to the ufc if he lived in africa mm-hmm. do you That's... get do you get a question do, 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 yeah. do you get it it's so much easier if you live in america bro like mm-hmm. a guy getting the ufc with a 5 and 0 record mm-hmm. with a 3 and 0 record i think he got in the ufc with a 4 and 0 record 5 and 0 4 4 and 0 5 and 0 record or something like that 5 and 1 or something like that 5 and 1 he got in the ufc so i respect that um it's like yeah guys getting the UFC, EFC with zero and zero record. So, it's good, but there's no there's no there's no it's not that solid that he, he must claim that title saying I am the first African to become a UFC champion. No. Uh, I think Francis Ngannou has a better claim on that. Mm-hmm. Even Adesanya has still has a better claim because Adesanya thing left he lived in Africa for a long, longer period of time and um sorry he lived in africa for a better period of time and uh, he 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 knows he knows what what africa is about really that's what i that's what i said in the interview you know like we need a, we need african that can inspire africa you know that that knows how to survive and live in africa and go all the way and i think francis ngano when he become a champion for me in my books if he does become a champion in the UFC before me then he will become the legitimate first african who went all the way from africa you know because the guy still visits africa i think 
every fight after every fight he visits Africa. He comes to Africa to his mother. His mother is in Africa. Kamaru's mother is in Nigeria. Is in is in is in America. His whole family is in America. His father is in prison in America, which is bad. But is their their whole family is in America. You know, same applies to Adesanya. I respect them for representing Africa, but. The title still up for grabs to be, to have the first African African to have the first African African who lives and trains in Africa to become a world champion in the UFC. And I feel like I'm gonna be that guy. I want to be that guy. That's my dream. That's my vision. That's what I want to do. I like to make history. And you know what happens when I become a champion in the UFC? You know what will happen? Africa will just blow up straight away after that in MMA. Why? Because they can now relate to me, the guys in Africa that do MMA, all these guys. Like I told you, when I became a champion in EFC, it just boosted the energy with the guys in the in the gym, in the gym, in my gym. They, it boosted the energy there, you know. Then they, they realized, oh, it's possible. It's possible. This guy became a champion in our eyes. It's possible. So for me, when I become a champion in the UFC, living, training in Africa, you know how much, how how big that will be? Like, it will be big, man. It will be so much bigger. That's why I'll never go not out of, no ego or anything. I'll never go and train out, outside of Africa. Mm. I've been offered to go and train in America, Florida, and all that. I, I've been offered to go there, Jackson Wing. Yeah, it's cool and good. But if I go there, I'm betraying. I'm betraying my people. I'm betraying um, the hope of people in Africa that, hey, you don't really need to go out there. We can do it. We have got the talent. We've got the work ethic. You know, the knowledge is out there. Knowledge is on the internet now. If I need to see how Kamaru is training, I go on the internet. I can take one or two things there. If I need to see how um, Adesanya trains, I can go on the internet, see one or two things and still take it. Put it in a box, check it up, come up with my own timber mix. You know, that's 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 how I, I want to do it. That you know, we don't have to go out there, especially in mixed martial arts. For and for soccer and other sports, good. You must go there because you get paid more money outside of Africa. But we best in MMA while it's living and training here in Africa. You know, that's that's my dream. That's my goal, and that's what I see. That's what I want to be. You know, yeah. Of course. Earlier this year, you had your first title defense. Uh, it took about six months later from when you won the title. You know how, how? Why did it take so long for you to get a challenger? I actually didn't have a challenge. I had to go out there and challenge the guys. Oh. Uh, the guy that I fought in March, I had to bring him up and say, "Hey, you fight me next," because there was uh, the thing is. Uh, here in Africa, you fight who is there. It's not like all around the world. That's that's why like it looks like I fight guys that are this and that and that. But you fight who is there. There's not so much. There there's not so much. Uh, there's not a lot of people that uh, that that want to fight here, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guys that are in the front runners, they either want more money, which is very understandable. For me, when I became a champion, I just said to the promotion, you know what? Before I became a champion, I said to them, just give me a fight. I don't care about the money. You don't have to tell me how much money you're going to pay me. Just give me a fight or fight. Just give me a fight or fight. Only when I became a champion, then I said to them, hey, now you got to pay me at least, you know. Uh, I understand the situation in Africa. Money is not is not big, yeah. Um, just, uh, yeah, I want to fight. I want to keep busy, you know. 
I want to keep busy. So, like, I, I made a quick turnaround. It, it is actually quick. Six months, straight away to, to defend my title. Here in Africa, it is very quick. Most guys spend a year without defending their title here, man. Um, so it was it was quite quick. And when I defended it, it was it was good for me as well because I fought a guy. He trained at Absolute MMA in uh, Australia. He was undefeated. He's a young guy, hungry, and he was an all-round fighter. You know, he's good boxing. He's been, been doing boxing. I think I was still in Zimbabwe when he started doing boxing here, mm-hmm. and he's been doing. MMA for a long, long period of time. His record doesn't do him justice because I think he only trained professional recently. But he's been he's been doing this longer than I have been doing, and he's very skilled. And I've always wanted to fight him. And we were supposed to fight, I think, in 2016, and mm-hmm. our fight got cancelled because he got injured. He got a shoulder injury, and I had a nose. Um, my nose, um, no, it was actually my teeth were shut in. So I had to pull out of the fight. He pulled out first, then I pulled out the way when they were calling me to tell me he's injured. He was getting a new opponent. I told him, oh, as well, myself, I just got injured today. So at least I cleared that up that, you know, I'm not I'm not going to run away from this guy. And a lot of people don't want, didn't want to fight Lyle Karam. So it was good for me to put, to put, to put him back on my record. And with that win, same applies to Darocha from Brazil. I was supposed to fight him, I think, in 2017. Then I pulled out of the fight. Then I came back two years later and I fought him and I beat him, you know. At least I don't have any question marks in my record of saying, you dashed that guy, you dashed that guy. Uh, yeah, so it, it is it is what it is here in Africa, bro. Like, here you fight who's there. So that's why, like, I had to actually go out there and say to, to the matchmaker, um who's the contender, who do you think I can fight? So they thought I was going to say, no, I don't want to fight him like many champions do here because people want to protect what they have and it's right for them to do so. Um, I told, I went, I actually went for a EFC. So I fought at EFC 84, right? Mm. Was it 84? Yeah. So EFC 84, 80, 83 weigh-ins. They didn't have a main event for EFC 84. So the weigh-ins of EFC, EFC 83... I went to the matchmaker and said to him, I want to fight the next card. And he says, who do you want to fight? Let's go up and talk. Um, then I'm like, who are the contenders in the division? I want a guy that has got a good record, that is solid, and that, that can give me a run, you know. Obviously, I, like, I'm very confident and I always say things like that. I say, obviously, I'll beat him, but I want a challenge. And they said, there's Lyle. If you want Lyle, I can call Lyle now. You, see, you accept the fight, then he accept the fight straight away. Then I'm like, okay, cool, we're doing it. So yeah, at least I, I got a chance to defend my title. And for now, I have to go and do better things, bigger things. Because if I stay here, I'll keep shutting guys' dreams, man. And I don't, I I wish ever, I wish to succeed with everybody. And for me, staying here, I'll keep winning. Good. Um, even if, when I go, I'll keep winning. If I stay here, I'll keep winning. And what happens is that one dream at a time is being shut down. One dream at a time is being shut down. It's better for me. I, I, I became a champion. I defended my title. I move on. Someone becomes a champion as well, defend their title, moves on, you know, so that we can all go, all go and represent Africa to the fullest. That's how I see it. That's how I want it. And, yeah, man. Definitely. Well, you know, it seems like... Uh... There's nothing else to prove in Africa or in EFC. It's the next move is to the yeah, UFC. Is. You're training every day. You're ready to go. 
you got the management, you're talking to the matchmakers. I'm excited to see uh, what you can do when you debut. Hopefully it's going to be this summer. Is that is that what you're thinking in your mind? Like, man, I'm going to get in there this summer. This is the time. This is my time. Yeah, after doing my medicals, I feel like it's going to be now. Uh, they just have to open up here, but I've got options, you know, like... In my country, I'm respected. They can let me out of the country easier, so I, mm-hmm. I can get, I can go back to Zimbabwe as a returning citizen. Because the flights now here from here are a little bit difficult to go out of this country, so I can go back to Zimbabwe mm-hmm. as a returning citizen, get tested for COVID, whatever you call it, this thing. Then let's fly from Zimbabwe and go to fight in Abu Dhabi, and the visas are not even difficult for us as Zimbabweans to go there. So for me, I feel like it's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner than I think. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to happen sooner than I think. And I feel like it's going to be big. I just have to keep focus. Obviously, it's frustrating not to know when you're going to fight. Even EFC is not putting up events here in South Africa that you will be like, okay, cool, while it's a wait for that, I can fight here. Uh, there's nothing here, you know, there's no fight happening here in South Africa. The government here is quite strict and um, the politicians here are quite, you know, shady like everywhere else around the world. But, um, you know, yeah, I feel like it's going to happen sooner, sooner than expected. Mm. And it's going to be bigger than than what people think, you know. I, I just, for me, I'm going to fight anybody in the top 10 in the UFC, but it doesn't happen like that. You know that it doesn't happen like that, that you go in there and you get straight away. You have to come up. You know, you have to make your things. You have to play your books right and you have to come up. But for me, in my mind, I visualize myself fighting the guys in the top 10. Um, it is difficult, but it's doable, man. Uh, uh, there's two hands, two legs, one man. So why not? Um, I feel like I'm the best waterweight in the world, but I can say it, but I have to go out and prove it. So for me to prove it is to fight the best guys in the world. That's the best guys in the world currently are based in UFC, you know? Um, and that's what I want to do. That's what I visualize myself doing. And I'll go all the way. I'll go all the way. All right, Tembo, thank you so much, man, for the time. And uh, good luck on in getting signed and and performing on the big stage uh i'm looking forward to it and and uh stay safe man and uh and yeah that's all i can say yeah. is stay safe in this world right now i'll keep going i'll keep working hard keeping working up at 3 a.m in the morning working hard and good things are going to come good things are going to happen and i'll inspire a lot of people and i'll, I'll before my debut i'll do an interview with you again definitely. how about that for a deal yeah definitely yeah, cool. that's the deal yeah. Yeah, man. Thank you very much, brother.